Welcome back to the Book of Mormon with Grandma. We're in 1 Nephi 17 today. The family of Lehi endured some pretty harsh trials out in the wilderness. Why do you think the Lord permitted the trials that they went through? I think it was important for them to learn something about themselves and the long road to get to the promised land and how it'll be when they get there. Anytime we have to go through a trial, though it seems hard at the moment, when we're able to look back, we can see how we learn something about ourselves. Sometimes that lesson is that we can do hard things. Other times we see where we need to change our lives to be more in tune with the Lord. Other times we endure a trial because our own faith is lacking. I think for the Lehi family, they endure some trials because of the whole family's lack of faith. That they did not look to the Leahona and exercise their faith. But there was another word that Nephi used along with faith, and that was diligence. Nephi spends a great deal of his time exhorting his brother, brothers to faith and diligence. So what is diligence? The dictionary says it's careful and persistent work or effort. Steady, earnest, energetic, devoted, painstaking work and application. So I would think that casual would be the opposite of diligent, don't you think? What happens when we are casual about keeping the commandments or praying or reading the scriptures? We might find ourselves like Nephi and his family wandering off course without a direction to keep us on the direct path. When we're casual in keeping the commandments of God, we forfeit the blessings and protections that God wants to promise us. So if you remember, I quote this a lot, Doctrine and Covenants 82.10, I, the Lord, am bound when you do what I say, but when you do not what I say, ye have no promise. Satan would love for you to be casual versus diligent. When we are casual, he can lull us away into thinking we're doing well without the protections and blessings of the Lord. Nephi tells us in 17 that they endured many afflictions in the wilderness. They ate raw meat. The wives had to bear children in the wilderness. He said there were so many that he says he can't even write them all. They ate raw meat because they could not build fires for fear the robbers would see the fire and come and hurt them. But in spite of the afflictions, he says they were blessed. The women were able to feed their children and the women had become strong. And finally, they were able to stop murmuring about their journey. And here is why. This is um, 17 verse 3. And thus we see that the commandments of God must be fulfilled. If it so be that the children of men keep the commandments of God, he doth nourish them and strengthen them and provide means whereby they can accomplish the thing which he has commanded them. Wherefore, he did provide means for us while we did sojourn in the wilderness. No matter what trials or challenges we might face, if we keep the commandments, the Lord will always be with us in our trials. He will strengthen us and provide a way for us to get through them. I know that it's hard to remember when the trial or challenge is in our face, but like Nephi, he did his best to keep a positive attitude and rely on the Lord, even when things were looking pretty bleak. So let's go get into this chapter. Finally, we've they've come to the seashore, and they're so grateful to be out of the wilderness. They call the land bountiful because it has a lot of fruit and wild honey that Nephi says the Lord prepared for them. Today, if you were to go to the place they believe is bountiful, which is Salala, you would find many fruits growing. Limes, oranges, dates, bananas, grapes, apricots, figs, and melons. I wonder sometimes if they wonder where the promised land is. Is this it? I think of Field of Dreams. Is this heaven? No, this is Iowa. 
No, boys, this is the seashore. This is not the final stop. So do they know ahead of time that they're going to have to get out in the water and go there? They've been basking in the beauty and the richness of the food for many days when the Lord tells Nephi it's time to go up to a mountain. He needs to tell him something. This is verse 8. And it came to pass that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou shalt construct a ship after the manner, the manner which I shall show thee, that I may carry thy people across these waters. What I find interesting is that Nephi doesn't even choke for a minute about building a ship, or if he did, he didn't, doesn't tell us. He doesn't say, okay, I'll try to build the ship, or can I think about it? Or I'm not sure that's my wheelhouse. I have never been a shipbuilder before. Instead, he just asked the Lord, this is in verse 9, and I said, Lord, whither shall I go that I might find ore to molten, that I may make tools to construct the ship after the manner which thou hast shown unto me? And it came to pass that the Lord told me whither I should go to find ore that I might make tools. He says, okay, tell me where I can go to find ore to build the ship that you uh, showed me that you want me to build. Elder L. Tom Perry said, this is one of the most more interesting stories we have in the scriptures because it tells of an instance in which the Lord provided help, but then stepped aside to allow one of his sons to exercise his own initiative. I have sometimes wondered what would have happened if Nephi had asked the Lord for tools instead of a place to find the ore to make the tools. I doubt the Lord would have honored Nephi's request. You see, the Lord knew that Nephi could make the tools and it's seldom the Lord will do something for us that we can do for ourselves. That was Elder L. Tom Perry. We've heard this phrase a lot in the church. Whom the Lord calls, he qualifies. There have been many times I've been called to a calling that I had no idea how to do that thing I was being called to. But the Lord expects us to do as Nephi and dig in and exercise our own initiative and then go to him for help when we're stuck. Tell me how to find the tools to do this calling, Lord, and I'll go forward. This is going to have to be a big ship. Remember, they've been in the wilderness for eight years. I would imagine their little family has grown a lot. Five families having children in the wilderness. Actually, it would be seven families with Ishmael's two sons. It's also going to be a ship unlike the ones Nephi has seen built. We know that he has no experience building a ship, so he has to have the Lord help him with the plans and his brothers to help with the wood. So, how did Nephi's brothers react when he told them he was going to build a ship? Well, let's go down to verse 17. And when my brethren saw I was about to build a ship, they began to murmur against me, saying, Our brother is a fool, for he thinketh that he can build a ship, yea, and he also thinketh that he can cross these great waters. And thus my brethren did complain against me, and were desirous that they might not labor, for they did not believe that I could build a ship, neither would they believe that I was instructed of the Lord. And now it came to pass that I, Nephi, was exceedingly sorrowful because of the hardness of their hearts. And now when they saw that I began to be sorrowful, they were glad in their hearts, insomuch that they did rejoice over me, saying, We knew that ye could not construct a ship, for we knew that ye were lacking in judgment. Wherefore, thou canst not accomplish so great a work. It always makes me kind of sad when I hear that part, um, when he says that they... Um, when they saw Nephi sad, that they were glad in their hearts. I wonder sometimes if we're ever glad in our hearts that we've hurt someone. When they saw Nephi sad about their attitude, they were glad. Something pretty sad about that. Do you suppose they're mad because they have to build a ship or because they're going to have to get out in the ocean? 
Remember, they were upset about leaving Jerusalem, and now they'll be leaving this area forever. Maybe they just want to stay there on the coast a while and bask in the fruit and honey. But now they have to build a ship that they're going to have to make themselves with Nephi's instructions from the Lord. It didn't take long for them to begin to murmur again and want to go back to Jerusalem. What are some of the things they begin to say to berate him? You are just like dad and his foolish imaginations of his heart. Look, y'all let us out of Jerusalem and we've wandered in the wilderness for all these years. Our wives have suffered as they gave birth to children. The only thing they haven't suffered is death. It would have been better for them to have died in Jerusalem than to suffer all these things. We could have been back in Jerusalem being rich and enjoying all of our stuff and our own house. Then gosh, we would have been happy then. The people in Jerusalem are righteous people. We have been led away by dad and his visions and you are just like him pretty sad. I laugh at Elder Holland, who says, I've often thought that Nephi's being bound with cords and beaten by rods must have been more tolerable to him than listening to Laman and Lemuel's constant murmuring. Surely he must have said at least once, hit me one more time, I can still hear you. Yes, life has its problems, and yes, there are negative things to face, but please accept one of Elder Holland's maxims for living. No misfortune is so bad that whining about it won't make it worse. That was Elder Holland. I think sometimes we find ourselves on the wrong side of positive. You see what I did there? I couldn't bring myself to say negative. Maybe we don't don't intend to see life that way, but we get there by a little murmur here and a little murmur there, and then we can't get out of that place. I've been there a few times in my life where it seemed like everything made me murmur. Now Nephi tries to help them by reminding them of some important things from the scriptures. Moses and the children of Israel's exit from Egypt, something they would have been familiar with from synagogue. He tries to show them the similarity between their situation and that of Moses, but it didn't help. So now he tells them in verse 44, Wherefore the Lord commanded my father that he should depart into the wilderness, and the Jews also sought to take away his life. Yea, and ye also have sought to take away his life. Wherefore ye are murderers in your hearts, and ye are like unto them. Ye are swift to do iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord your God. Ye have seen an angel, and he spake unto you. Yea, ye have heard his voice from time to time, and he has spoken unto you in a still small voice. But ye were past feeling that ye could not feel his words. Wherefore he has spoken unto you like unto the voice of thunder, which did cause the earth to shake as if it were to divide asunder. And ye also know that by the power of his almighty word, he can cause the earth that it shall pass away. Yea, and ye know that by his word, he can cause the rough places to be made smooth and the smooth places shall be broken up. Oh, then why is it that ye can be so hard in your hearts? So what does he call them besides murderers in their heart? He tells them that they are swift to do iniquity, but slow to remember the Lord. And he tells them they are past feeling, past feeling that they could not feel the words of the Lord. What might make us past feeling so that we cannot feel the words of the Lord? Well, Boyd K. Packer said the Holy Ghost communicates with the spirit through the mind more than through the physical senses. This guidance comes as thoughts, as feelings, through impressions and promptings. It is not always easy to describe inspiration. The scriptures teach us that we may feel the words of spiritual communication more than we hear them and see with spiritual rather than with our mortal eyes. That was um, Elder Boy K. Packer. 
I think it's also about feeling the spirit. I remember when I was teaching seminary, we used to ask the kids what the spirit felt like. Some of them knew and some of them, some of them didn't know that they knew. Converts know clearly what it feels like to feel the spirit since they've been without it and then with it. But sometimes those of us who have been members all of our lives have had moments of feeling the Spirit many times but may not have recognized it when it came. Maybe when we heard our parents bear their testimony, maybe in family home evening, maybe during a prayer, maybe in conference, maybe in a temple dedication, maybe in the temple. Maybe a good way to help is to say, wow, did you feel the Spirit in there? Or the Spirit was so strong in that meeting. Did you feel it? And they may not recognize it as such, so we need to point it out when we feel it. The other thing he calls Lemon and Lemuel is hard in their hearts. He fears that if they do not repent, that they'll be cast off forever, and it brings him pain. They're so mad at him that they want to throw him into the sea. They run for him, but Nephi tells them that they should not touch him because he's so filled with the Spirit that if they touch him, they'll wither like a dried reed. He tells them, look, if the Lord tells me I can build a ship, I can build a ship. If he can bring miracles, even ones you've seen, then he can tell me how to build a ship and you need to help me and quit with holding your help. So from everything I read, it seems this ship would have taken about two to three years to build. Then they would have had to spend the time preparing food to take with them and hunting for meat to take as well. I wonder what people thought as they watched them build the ship. Was this a normal occurrence or was this strange to see boats being built on the seashore? Was it the long time building the ship that made the brothers irate or just their normal demeanor about anything Nephi asked them to do? It's interesting that no matter what they've done to Nephi, no matter how many times they've wanted to kill him or have done damage to him and their father, and no matter whether or not Nephi has already seen what's going to happen to his family if his brothers do not repent, he still worries about them and he still loves them. Of course, Nephi worries about his family as well and the future they'll have with his brothers, descendants, if they don't repent. But he never gives up trying to help them, trying to make them see the importance of what they're doing and the importance of repentance. So, until next time. 